I was watching Sarah watch Beastars, so my yeah. brain's firing on something. <laughs> but then I don't even know how fairies feel about Beastars, because I, I was really intrigued by that, and I scrolled the Tumblr tag, and it was like less popping off than I thought, but maybe mm. fairies don't. I, really, I should have checked DeviantArt. Yeah. Like, the faces are, are not anime fairy faces, they're just animal faces, but kind mm. of on human bodies. They don't have the animal eyes, because that the anime eyes, sorry. Because mm. it literally all they're missing from your like quintessential fairy art is the anime eyes. Mm. Question we never just, know what yeah. name is podcast. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> Welcome to Bread and Barricades, a lame is podcast. Uh, I'm Nemo Martin, your host. I use they them pronouns, and today. Is there anything that you want to talk about so I can segue into you? This is Stevie, she, they pronouns, primary researcher, the spot on this desk where a load of Dojans used to live that I recently am selling <laughs> off, <laughs> now houses my Frederick the Great and my Voltaire book, <laughs> so now they can be constantly staring at me, judging me harder. <laughs> Replacing one them. set of Dojans for another. <laughs> It's true. Um, it's just like better hidden instead of it being like, um, well, I don't know what rating those Dorjins are for you, but replacing one explicit uh, <laughs> sexy male male relationship for another. That's true. Goodbye, uh, Kakashi and Aruka. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. What, what's the ship name? What was our, what's our ship Kakairu. name? Oh, well, for Frederick. No, 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 and... I know that one, but for uh, Voltaire <laughs> and Friedrich. Oh, interesting. Volric. Volric. Fred. Friedrich. Friedrich. Fried. It sounds a bit like freedom. V- my, this book is Voltaire Almighty. And my Friedrich one is Friedrich the Great. <laughs> the Great Almighty the great sounds Almighty. a bit too much like God. <laughs> <laughs> August spam the Christianity tag. <laughs> Yeah, we've appropriated it now. Um, the Great Almighty is the canonical ship name for Voltaire and Frederick the Great. Dang, dang, we've done it. <laughs> Good job. Yeah, let's go into the episode from that. Oh, speaking. you're not okay. You're not gonna. You're not gonna embarrass yourself. Just me. <laughs> um, I mean, I I wrote uh the closest thing to Dorian, uh, which is Disco Elysium fanfic, and I wrote oh, two yeah. in the same day. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Which I've never done before. Yeah. So. Um, I, I saw a, a Tumblr post this morning, which was like, um, nobody on Tumblr talks about middle-aged men as much as Disco Elysium fans. And I was like, that's incorrect. There is a very specific Le Miserable to Disco Elysium pipeline, <laughs> pipeline. I believe. Yeah. Well, then why haven't you played it in front of me? <laughs> Um, oh, speaking of, uh, well, is he middle-aged? Oh, speaking of older men, I mm-hmm. suppose, there's going to be a old man <laughs> in these coming chapters, and there's not many old men in France. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was genuinely, like, trying to go through my brain list of, like, what characters it could be coming up, and then I was like, oh, all right, Jean Valjean, I see. <laughs> <laughs> the singular older man. <laughs> Oh, you mean the old man. I see. Not a old man. <laughs> we do first have a older man. Mm-hmm. Um, so we left off 
with Marius with his little eye poking through that little hole at the top of his ceiling. <laughs> and as we recall, spying on Miss Fortune in order to relieve it is permissible. Hmm. So we see what he's going to see. Yeah. But first, says Victor Hugo, cities like forests have their dens. And inside them lurks whatever they have that is most savage and fearsome. Only in cities what lurks there is ferocious, foul and small, that is to say, ugly. In forests what lurks there is ferocious, wild and big, and that is to say, beautiful. Mm. Um, now, I, before we started this podcast, we were talking about little critters in the forest and bestiality <laughs> slash fairies two distinct things that I don't want to like conflate the tooth but um now imagining the cast of Les Miserables as a series of like um very British um nostalgia cartoons like hetero cartoons like um, the Wombles no more like more like um Frog and Toad because then you and Wind in the Willows mm -hmm. because then you have like clearly Tenardier would be like the fox or the the weasel yeah probably, right like they're always the bad guys in british <laughs> cartoons yeah and he's he's a city rat i guess oh yeah a city rat he's That's... small and ugly and foul and ferocious yeah and he's not like he's not from the forests like jean valjean is from he's not from favoroz he's from he he's a city rat oh wow yeah and I guess Jean Valjean, who is ferocious, wild, and big, that is to say beautiful, is some mm -hmm. kind of big, beautiful brown bear that's extinct in this country these days. Yeah, he was compared to a bear before, wasn't he? <gasps> that's true, he is just a bear. Yeah. And they did get taken to cities in Shakespeare time for bear fights. There we go. Oh, it's all coming together. Yeah. And Cosette is... Was she a lark in that one chapter where... Yeah. JVJ was a owl. Was an owl. Yeah, so we've got a bear owl, <laughs> an owl bear. Sorry, <gasps> an owl bear, <laughs> <laughs> and a little, a little um, lark, and a and a street rat. What? Well, and we know, we know canonically that um, Javert is a dog. Yeah, yeah, a wolf who turns into a dog. Mm -hmm. In his little policeman's hat. Yeah. Well, great. <laughs> <laughs> Where's that children's book Les Mis for Kids? <laughs> TM, TM, TM. TM, TM. Well, I'm just going to be imagining that as I go through this. Um, well, caves are better than slums, full stop. Uh, okay, interesting. Because the den of a beast is preferable to the den of a man, Nemo, obviously. In yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> It just made me think of the scene in um, Word of Honor, which is a, a Chinese drama where uh, the two characters go into a cave to hide away from this like thing that's just happened to them in like a, a most quote unquote civilized area. And I'm pretty sure in the like original novel, they must have fucked there. Like, <laughs> like because it, it's one of those shows where like, if they kind of have a conversation in the show, you know that they probably fucked in the like original <laughs> web novel. I so. see. Well, that and Les Mis are in agreement that caves are better than slums, I yeah. guess. Yeah. 
For sure. Well, what Marius sees is a slum. But, you know, like, Marius is poor and his room is meagre, but his poverty is very noble. (laughs) And that's because his garret is clean. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when he does poverty, it's fine. And actually, we love it. But looking at this room, it's dirty and fetid Mm. and squalid and dark and sordid. And there's not much furniture, which... Okay, maybe Marius doesn't have either, but not like this. This is different, (laughs) not having much furniture. There's not much light going through into the room. Just enough to make a man's face appear like a ghost's. So add that to our pile of the the two young girls being described as like ghostly and monstrous and... um, Mm spirits or something like demons or something we've had we've had yeah. a lot of these words yeah um the walls are like a face disfigured by a horrible disease mm-hmm. peeling and covered in webs and scars yeah great you walk directly onto old concrete and it's black underfoot and everything it like the fireplace is foot like small but full of all of the stuff, like a stove and a cooking pot and planks and old clothes hanging on nails and bird cages and ashes and even a little fire. <laughs> oh my god. How dare they need to eat? <laughs> How dare this family of um four? Two, four, four. Sometimes five. sometimes five, four and a half. <laughs> Five to seven children, uh, five to seven people need more things than one boy. To add further horror to this little home, it's quite big. And that means that there's more dark corners. <laughs> Unlike Marius' little tiny one, I guess. Uh-huh. I can imagine in the adaptation where Marius is looking in and he sees one of them on a smartphone and he's like, <laughs> how dare they have spent money on something like that, but it's got a cracked screen showing mm. that they can't afford to like get a new one. Yeah, there is a lot of those vibes sprinkled in on <laughs> on top of everything because it's Victor Hugo. Yeah. I feel like, have we had really big spiders before? Hmm. I feel like there has been at some point because when I read that in these dark corners spiders as big as your fists I was like did we not have a weird description of a spider or maybe when Jean Vosier a mysterious old man had lived (laughs) in this house interesting I had not I don't remember that but it would be interesting to look back and see Mm. if we have the time maybe I'll flip back wood lice the size of your foot and we also had, weren't the little girls at the convent that Cosette was at? Some of, they were like in yeah. different house, or they'd renamed their little houses and they were like the wood lice. Yeah, they they were the wood lice and the spiders. Yes. Yeah, oh, maybe that was what it was. But yeah. here they're not cute. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and even some sort of monstrous human beings might be laughing here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, classic. There's a painting near the hole that Maris is looking through which is called The Dream and in it is a picture of a sleeping woman and in her lap is a child an eagle in a cloud with a crown in its beak and the woman who's not even awake is waving the crown away from the child's head but I was like is this a well known painting? I don't know 
The dream painting. What was that? A hawk? Uh, eagle. Eagle. Woman. Eagle, child. Crown. Crown. Woman. Child. <laughs> no, typing all those things into Google just gets um, some vaguely racist-looking uh, Native American stuff. Oh well. <laughs> which, which you know, um, Victor Hugo was doing in this, calling them savages. So. Okay, so maybe that does check out. And also all of the Google results are like how to read your dreams about whether when children and women and eagles are in them. So I feel like if it was specifically like Native American, uh Hugo would really go out of his way to yeah. Us. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say so too. Mm. Um Well, there is an engraving and I'm sure that Whatever point he's making with it is hilarious and poignant. And then, so there's a table, and there's like a pen and ink and paper, and a man of about 60, who's small and thin and pale and gaunt, with a cunning, cruel, nervous look about him. Mm. He looks like a vulture crossed with a lawyer. (laughs) The raptor and the pettifogger bringing out the worst in each other and complimenting each other. The pettifogger mm-hmm. making the raptor ignoble, the raptor making the pettifogger dreadful, and a pettifogger is an inferior legal practice. Yeah, um, like Foggy from. Uh... Oh no! <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I think he's a superior legal practitioner, but I thought it was very funny that uh, <laughs> he's also a fogger. He's the uh, what is it? The something that proves the rule? Exception. Exception. Yeah. yeah. So actually, Victor Hugo's arguing that in our little quaint re- child's retelling of Lomas, that mm. this old man shouldn't be a city rat. He's a city vulture. Mm, yeah. It's it's interesting. I, I'm th- thinking back in that painting again, like trying to decode it a little <laughs> bit in my brain. I wonder if Hugo is saying... Well, does it does it say in the novel, or should I dream read it a bit? I read over it like twice because there's also an inscription, but when I searched the inscription, it it was like there's nothing here. This can't. This means nothing. Mm. Where it says, Maringo, Australitz, Iena, Wagram, a lot. Mm. And I looked. I looked that up, and Google was like. Couldn't even give me. Maybe you tangentially are badly spelling this thing. Maybe, possibly something to do with places in war, like that the the people who fought the Battle of Waterloo went. Yeah, I kind of thought that because of like Australis, maybe maybe Vienna is meant to be v- Vienna. Yeah, on the micro level, the mother shooing away the eagle with the crown from the sleeping child. Mother Tenadier is like she keeps her children close to her while shooing away any opportunity for them to grow. Ooh. Like that's what my first thought was with that. That sounds good. Hell Me yeah. Me, my dream reader. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really good at knowing nothing about tarot cards and uh, making people believe that I do. Um, yeah, you wrote our fortunes with those Lego stickers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and then on a like macro level, I guess, something about France and it's like 
I don't know, because then I would be like, oh, it's France of its like colonial babies, but then it's waving off. Well, he was theoretically anti-slavery. I don't know. I, I was trying to uh, think like what that could be on the like macro level, because obviously it can't just be one level of things. Mm. Um, but and I'm assuming France is either the mother or the baby, or it's the eagle. Did so Tenardier kind of fake pretends like he was fought at the Battle of Waterloo. Mm. Was that we don't want monarchy battle? Oh. <laughs> it, was, it was a Napoleon thing. So are they being so because this is in spoilers Tenardier's house? Yeah. Is it to show that they're well? I should have really thought about this at the time. I feel like actually, um, well, so. The older daughter, um, when speaking to Mar- Marius, said, "We're Bonapartists, good and proper." Mm. Um, so maybe that's to represent the like shoe monarchy. <laughs> Get away oh, from this child! Yeah, because of the crown. Mm. Yeah, so she's actually protecting the child. She's not um, ruining its chances. Wow, I'm very. I guess that was a very monarchist thought of me to be like, she's. She's waving off opportunities of glory <laughs> instead of being like, oh, she's protecting the child from <laughs> uh, colonialism. Wow. Oh, got to uh, think about that for a bit. Um, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Protecting France, the child from from the monarchy. But then the eagle is a very glorious creature. Mm. And one of um, Leami Legal is the eagle. So... Oh, but then he had a very, um, like his name came from a very, like, was it, he was one of the, his family was monarchists. Anyway, this is a tangent of <laughs> tangents, um, dream analyzing this painting. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Sorry. Go on. I, I, I can now let that, uh, <laughs> let that lie. Yeah. If only we, if only we could see the painting, we could really do a whole episode on it. <laughs> commission someone to uh, draw it for us yeah and then we'll relate it to the entirety of this book yeah <laughs> yeah so we were at the fact that the 60 year old man writing all these letters is a lawyer slash vulture crossbreed mm. and he's got a long grey beard he's wearing a woman's chemise that reveals his hairy chest and bare mm. arms and um, nothing's more monstrous than cross-dressing, I guess. Sorry, I just, yeah, I just was like, there's got to be something about if I type in French eagle, and the third result was <laughs> French eagle Napoleon, the French oh. imperial eagle, um, eagle de drapeau is the flag eagle, refers to the figure of an eagle on a staff carried into battle as a standard by the Grande Armée of Napoleon during the Napoleonic Wars. So we really got there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You were right, but it was Napoleon. Three days after his coronation, Napoleon distributed eagles based on the eagle standards of the Roman legions. So the eagle with the crown... No, but then why why does the eagle have the crown? And why is the woman chasing it away? Yeah. If they're Bonapartists. Okay, sorry, but <laughs> I, I um yeah, we can go <laughs> I promise this time I have closed the tab. 
how off was your brain? Shall I repeat? What was the last thing that you said? That this chemise, ma- yeah, Harry, song, yeah. He's wearing a woman's chemise. Yeah, to really hammer home that um, effeminate men are bad. Yeah, um, yeah. And I guess in the same way that I was like, wow, old, the older of the daughters has like that deep voice, mm. and you're like nice, but then you're like, oh, Victor Hugo meant this is a very sad, terrible thing. This is how out of order these horrible little peasants are. So I guess we've mm. got the daughter with the man's voice and the man in the woman's chemise. It's interesting. I think also Gavroche at one point has... The, he, he also swaps a little girl so that they can return to clothing that suits them. Or maybe it's the other way around. Oh, I'll have to find that. I can't remember if that's coming. Yeah, I think it's coming. So we can address that when it comes to it. Um, mm. But yeah, the Thenardier is all having different like genders, I guess. Yeah, because then we get onto the woman who's just huge. She's yeah. you could tell she's very tall with huge glistening hands. Mm. Could have been age forty or a hundred. Uh huh. In um, women, it's all the same. <laughs> it's all. The, and what was it that he said earlier about her? Where he was like, a I woman... think it was she was like <laughs> she was she was forty and he was fifty, but forty is a woman's fifty. Yeah, literally that shit. Yeah. So it's like more of the same of that. Um, yeah. So I guess even if we didn't know who these two were, you're like, hmm, he's spoken about people this way before. <laughs> um, but the man is writing probably a letter, just like the ones that Marius have read. Mm. And he's sort of muttering to himself that he's like, oh, the big ones, the big, uh, sorry, the big wigs, the ones who are rich are at the top. And where they ride in their carriages it's paved whereas the poor the nobodies they're put down at the bottom where there's mud up to your knees and graves where it's damp they're put there so they'll rot quicker Mm. so he's like angrily writing away and that's when we're introduced to the big woman she's also only in a chemise and a knitted skirt patched up with old bits of cloth hideous hair of grey and reddish blonde yeah (laughs) our dream described as hideous I know (laughs) and she's reading a novel and then on one of the pallets, Marius can see a pale, lanky young girl sitting there half naked. And at first, she appears 11 or 12, but when you look closer, she must be 15. Mm-hmm. And she's the puny type that remains underdeveloped for a long time and then suddenly shoots up. It is poverty that produces these sorry human plants. Mm-hmm. That they, like, it's like you're one day you're a little girl, and then the next day you're age 20. And there's nothing in between. They've got a rush to grow up. Mm. It's interesting. <laughs> Again, Hugo defeating his own thesis of when Jean Valjean was in Montreux-sur-Mer and he was talking to the villagers and he was like talking about the nettles and being like, it's not a weed mm. if you know how to cultivate. There are no bad plants, only bad cultivators. And then it gets to Denardier's and he's like, look at these shit plants. <laughs> look at this weed. <laughs> yeah. Well, as we discussed, refer to our last episode. Somewhere in that was almost a coherent rant between the two of us. Yeah. About Hugo and his inability to stick to a thesis statement without yeah. um, contradicting himself every two paragraphs. <laughs> you know, if you look around this room, it just doesn't look like any work gets done in here. <laughs> There's no looms. 
There's no spinning wheels, there's no implements. There's this dreary idleness that comes in the wake of despair and precedes the death throes. Companies looking at people working from home. <laughs> oh, Marius, he spends a while looking around all this. And it's more terrifying than a tomb because you can sense the human soul staring here and like the faint pulse of life. Huh. Uh, it's like a dungeon and that like rich people will have a like a big magnificent entrance hall mm. leading on to the rest of their houses. Whereas this place, death is in the next room and this is like the antechamber to death is uh, what Hugo's saying. Like more... I was going to say purgatory, but it's not quite that. It is an interesting picture that he's building, the antechamber to death, but also speaks of someone who uh, lives in a house with an antechamber. <laughs> and what, but also, he's like, no work seems to go on in here, but like, this old man's writing away, and maybe it's not honest work, but it's work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. he's scribbling away. Um, and maybe like all like maybe she doesn't, but maybe Tenardier is a washerwoman who needs to go to the river to do her laundry. Like yeah, Marius, you've been you spent two seconds looking into this room. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I I can't immediately see their means of production. Um, they must be on benefits. The scum. <laughs> Yeah, doesn't Marius go elsewhere to do his work? He, he It did say that he was writing in his room. Um... Okay, fine. Just his <laughs> roof, so if anyone ever looked through his through, back to his room through the spy hole. Yeah, which um, Eponine does. That's true, okay, fair. She did go into his room and see. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't have your work immediately perceivable, then do you even? Yeah. So he's scratching away... Just like, scum, scum, all is scum. Uh, and the woman's like, calm down, sweetheart. Don't upset yourself, dearest. You're too good to write to all those people, my pet. Mm. Bodies huddle together in misery, as they do in the cold. But hearts grow apart. <laughs> There's indication this woman must have loved this man, if she's even capable of love, at some point. But probably... That's been extinguished. Oh my god. She has nothing left for her husband but cinders of affection. Uh, and as is often the case, endearments are all that have survived. <laughs> so her lips spoke the words dearest, sweetheart, my pet, and so forth, while her heart remained silent. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I kind of really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. Because I literally went on that journey of reading the like, oh, like... They're bastards, but mm. when we met them earlier, it was like they have care for each other. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, well, at least. And then it was like, absolutely, they don't. And it was like, okay. Yeah, <laughs> like it, me, I, I was thinking that because I was like, oh yeah, like I, I remember us talking like quite significantly about the fact that like most adaptations make them hate each other. <laughs> um, <laughs> completely forgetting that at this point they don't like each other anymore. Yeah. Well, then most adaptations need to make them like each other earlier. Yeah, yeah. Now they can just hate each other, I guess. <laughs> yeah, because it shows progress in their like. St- like characters, right? Yeah. How am I meant to about character growth? <laughs> <laughs> or de degression? De- I don't know degrading? if that's a word. Yeah. Well, her heart's silent, and he goes on writing. And 
Marius feels very heavy-hearted looking mm. upon all of this. Mm. And he's about to climb down. But then there's a noise and he's like, well, I'll just go keep looking. <laughs> it's the Netflix, um, it continues, like... It- Autoplays next episode, and you're like, Oh god, well, I can't. Well, oh. It's I already started now, nothing else to do, just one more. I've already read all the letters he sent me, so <laughs> no letters I found. Yeah, um, so the attic door bursts open, and the oldest girl peers, and she's also got a cloak on, on top of like a tattered cloak on mm. top of the uh, little chemise that she was also in earlier. She probably left it outside his door to make him feel sorrier for her. Yeah. Says the book. Yeah. Um, and you're like, she like, but was barely in shoes. She looked so cold and like, we got, it described how scrawny she was. You're like, she probably didn't need to do that to, like, you should feel something for her either way, even if she was in a tattered cloak. Yeah. But it's very like, this little trickster. <laughs> she had a tatty cloak that she could have been wearing. <laughs> Those poor people so disingenuous. <laughs> Literally. There's like, but that's so the vibe that he's like, they Marius hadn't seen her in an hour earlier, but she probably left that outside his door to make him feel sorry for her. <laughs> uh, she must have collected it when she went out. <laughs> like, okay. Instead of it being like an outdoor thing and her being indoors to yeah. talk to him. Yeah. But she's looking really thrilled. She's like, he's coming. Like, who? The gentleman? The philanthropist? Yes. And at this point, I was like, wait, there's only one gentleman. <laughs> From the church? Yes. The old man? I was like, yeah, okay, it's got it. There's, there's only one gentleman and there's definitely only one old man. Who goes to church. Who goes to church? Um, it's like, yeah, he's following me. He's coming behind in a cab. I'm like, are you sure? Is he definitely coming? Like, did you give him the address? Uh, did you tell him which door? Did you tell him what house? Like, did he read my letter? What did he say? She's like, not so fast, old man. It went like this. Went to the church. He was in the usual place. Greeted him politely. Read the letter. I was like, Sarah, I'll take you to the place. Um, and he was like, no, give me the address. Me and my daughter have got some shopping. But then I'll come by. And I'll arrive at the same time as you at the house. I gave him the address. And... When I told him which house, he seemed surprised and hesitated. <laughs> I was like, only one man. <laughs> and then he's like, no, it makes no difference. I'll still go. And so I came here and he's coming at the door. And yeah, she does. I have told him the right house, father. No, you do not need to keep questioning me. Mm. Um, and he's like, good, you're a smart girl. She's boldly points at her shoes and her feet and is like, I've had enough of these shoes. They're wor- <laughs> like they're worse than wearing nothing because they have so many holes they just fill up and leak and go glup 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 mm. <laughs> with every step. I'd rather go barefoot. And he's like, Yeah, you're right. But uh, the poor have to wear shoes. You can't go barefoot in the house of God. Uh, uh old to church, I see. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, I guess where she met the old man, yeah. But then when he's like, the poor have to wear shoes, or like, do rich people not have to wear shoes? Because he's very bitter about In the about house this. of God. <laughs> yeah. Mm. It, it must be that, well, it could have, it may have been that um, in order to get inside the church, like, they would filter people so that only, like, people with shoes were allowed in. Mm. 
So you, you can't be too poor to be allowed yeah. in church. That sounds about right for the time. Like there would be a separate entrance for the poors to get their, like, you know, discount bread and all that kind mm. of stuff. No socks, no shoes, no no church service. <laughs> and tonight, well, the old man is like, but you're like, you sure he's coming? She's like, yeah, he's right behind me. Mm. And he's like, wife, do you hear that? The flandrum is coming. Put out the fire. Um, and with the agility of an acrobat, he grabs a broken lip jug and throws water on the logs. And he's like, you, daughter, break up that chair. And she's like, what? So he just... Puts his leg straight through his chair. And he's like, daughter, is it cold? And she's like, it's very cold, it's snowing. And he's like, youngest daughter, get off the bed. Um, break that window pane. And she's like, huh? He's like, do you hear me? Break the window pane. And in a terrified obedience, she stands and punches through the window with her fist. Mm. Um, and he's looking around the place and like a general making his final preparations before a battle. And the wife is like... Uh, what are you trying to do? Mm. He's like, get into bed! And she's like, yeah, okay, whatever. But then the the youngest daughter starts sobbing because her hand's bleeding from punching through this window. Mm. And then the mother sort of sits up and is like, well, look what you've done. She's cut herself on the window pane doing this for you. And he's like, oh no, even better, that's great. And tears up the woman's chemise that he's wearing and makes a little hastily done up bandage on the girl's hand mm. and then he's like oh great like and now look how torn my chemise is that's even better this is perfect this is looking good mm. um the cold weather promised by the candlemas sunshine the day before had indeed arrived so i think that was another part of candlemas that i didn't get when it first came up mm. that it was like if it's sunny on candlemas that means that actually the winter's going to be longer and colder. Huh. <gasps> like the groundhog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's exactly like that. I think it is like that. I wonder if it's from the same... <gasps> Ooh. Like, school of thought slash truth. Like, if there's... Yeah. The, there would have been truth to all these things, but then you just um, assign it to... To the things that you can measure around you. <laughs> the measurements of a groundhog. Yeah. Well, and also the, um, what were they called? It was something also dog in the terror. You know, the sun dogs? Oh yeah, I think sun that's dogs. what it was called. Yeah. What, what day is... Because didn't we all watch the Groundhog Day coverage together last year? What day is the Groundhog... What? It's like February something, isn't it? Because <gasps> wasn't that when Campbellmas is? Oh, interesting. What day is Groundhog Day? February 2nd, uh, it's the same day. Hell yeah. <laughs> We're Wait. connecting the dots, Nemo. Oh my god, well, that's so, like, it's, yeah, like, like, that, because, <laughs> because it was something, oh, so, so it originally was from German-speaking areas where a badger is for, is the forecasting Oh. oh, oh! this appears to me an enhanced version of the law that clear weather on the Christian festival of Candlemas forebodes a prolonged winter. <gasps> we, <laughs> you did it, Stevie. Why didn't that come up when we Googled it last time? <laughs> it was just like, keep your manger. <laughs> until... Yeah. 
Well, I'm glad that we've connected it all and this was so relevant to the plot. Yeah, so everyone should go and read that Javert Groundhog Day fic again because yeah. it's the most accurate fic. <laughs> we go leave a comment like, did you know? Were you trying to tell us this whole time? Well, as Candlemas, the German badger and the American groundhog were all trying to warn us... Mm. It was sunny today, so it will be colder for longer, and it's true. We must be on the... Yeah, we're on the 3rd of February in... I was going to say in fic. In the book. (laughs) In the novel. (laughs) And it's really cold, and there's a hole now in their window, and the fire Mm. is out. Mm. And he, the old man, he quickly, like, gets an old shovel and spreads ashes to really hide that there ever was a fire. Mm. And he's like... Now we're ready for the philanthropist. The ray of light in the slum. Chapter 8. The older girl comes up and is like, yeah, feel how cold I am. And he's like, Mm. I'm much colder than that. And the mother's like, you always have to go one better than everyone else, even in suffering. (laughs) (laughs) That's very real. Yep. (laughs) So yeah, I guess any of the... um, doting on him is gone yeah but she still cares for at least her youngest daughter at least in some kind of way Mm. because she when she realizes that the youngest daughter's still crying she like takes her head in her hands and covers it in kisses and is like oh my treasure please it's nothing don't cry you're gonna make your father angry and he's like, not the contrary. Ball, ball, it creates the right effect. <laughs> and she's like, but my hurt child. Mm. Um, he's like, no, like, I've put out the fire, wrecked my chair, torn my shirt, broken the window. Where is he? It's interesting. The first and only time I believe we see this happen in an adaptation was the BBC one, where Azama, the, the, the younger daughter, does like she is forced to put her fist through the window and she she cuts it but madame tenardier like doesn't comfort her it's yeah mr tenardier like sitting there forcing her to like cry even more and and actually like squeezing the hand to like make more blood come out Mm. which yeah like sorry like it was quite vivid in my mind that i actually forgot that it happened in the novel because it was so like yeah affecting i guess in Mm. in the bbc adaptation but um yeah again seeing where like the fact that madame tanardier in the novel actually does care about her daughter and in the adaptation she doesn't they can't be too multifaceted in a (laughs) in a visual art i guess yeah yeah (laughs) yeah because she like does keep has several times been like you've made her hurt herself Mm. pourquoi Hmm. um but he he doesn't really like count that as like a as a thing. Mm. He's only listed off like oh I've done uh, like I've broken my window pane all for nothing. Mm. And she's like yeah and hurt the child. But he's like well you know this blasted cold it's hellish and he's keeping us waiting. You know he's probably saying to himself they can wait for me. That's what they're all there for. I hate those rich folk and I could strangle them all with jubilation, joy, enthusiasm and satisfaction. These supposedly charitable men who pretend to be so pious 
who go to mass, who hobnob with preachy priests, these churchy types. They come to humiliate us and bring us clothes. If that's what they call them, they're all cast-offs worth nothing and bread. That's not what I want, you heap of scum. It's cash! Mm. Which is fair. Yeah, but like, he's got some real arguments in here, Victor Hugo. Mm. But I don't know if Hugo, like if he does, he's like having him say this, but he sees it as such a bad thing for people to want money. Yeah. Like, that he's like, like, the audacity of this, get a load of this. Yeah, this guy who just like forced his daughter to punch this window pane and make her bleed. That's who's going to give this speech about <laughs> the rights of working class people. In poverty. Because, mm, like, a lot of this is, like, stuff you hear people say, like, literally today. Yeah. Whereas, like, they don't give us cash because they say we'll just go and drink it. And that yeah. we're sots and idlers. Well, what about them? What are they then? They're just thieves. They never got... They would never have gotten rich otherwise. And then I guess it's quite, like, that trend in a lot of movies. I, I think especially with, like, Marvel movies, because me and Nemo watch so many of those. You know when <laughs> you're, like, they've got a villain... Who it's like, yeah, they have a point, yeah. and they're like, but then also out of character, they kill someone. <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah, yeah. Uh, most notably, recently, the the one in um, Fa- Winter Falcon. Yeah. Uh, where she was like, she had such a good point that everyone was agreeing with. Like, like all of the people who came back after the snap needed a place, and it was kind of like an immigrant storyline, and everyone was like, actually, you know what, you do have a point. And then she was like, I'm gonna murder everyone, actually, also. Yeah, like, even though okay. I'm the one who's fighting for everyone to have yeah. human rights. <laughs> but I guess, like... Oh, who this... also, she played um, Eponine in the BBC Oh my god! <laughs> it's all coming together. Like, this is kind of like the reverse of that, where like in this whole villain, he's got Tenardier's a whole bastard, and hidden in that bastard is one good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because that's like that is a whole point in there that mm. like it is good for that to like if they if all they have is like rags, etc. You know, getting yeah. clothes and bread when you know Eponine's the or slash the older daughter. It's going to be Eponine spoilers. Um, <laughs> you know, that she was like so hungry that she ate Marius's little stub of moldy bread and she hadn't eaten in like mm. four meals or something. Mm. But then also, like, it's not wrong to want money in a society that you need money to, to, yeah. to be a part of it. Yeah. Um, I, I, and I think you, you said slightly earlier the similar thing of like oh don't give homeless people money because they'll like drink yeah, and do drugs drink of it. it and it was like well what are you gonna go home and do probably buy some wine and smoke some weed like you are yeah, also exactly. buying drugs and alcohol with it so but he i guess he he go like wedges that between him being like i would strangle all these rich people yeah and then at the the bottom bit of bread on that sandwich is him being like, society should be taken by the four corners of the tablecloth and just tossed in the air. Yeah, everything will probably be destroyed, but at least no one would have anything. So, like, if you sandwich someone's actual, like, good point between two other things, yeah, then that means we get to ignore that someone had a point. Yeah. Wow, it very is like Marvel villainitis. <laughs> is that what it's called? 
Well, that that's what I'm calling it. <laughs> I love that. Oh, I feel like a... most people refer to it as like uh, Killmonger. Uh, Killmonger was right. Ah, uh, right. Oh, like Marvel villainitis. <laughs> <laughs> because it's spreading. <laughs> it is. <laughs> but like, so at the end of that rant, there's a little tapping on the door. Mm. And suddenly the old man's full of adoring smiles and deep bows. And he's like, Monsieur, come in. Do mm. us the honor, virtuous benefactor, and your charming young lady too. And a man of mature years. And <laughs> as we've said, there's only one. <laughs> <laughs> and a young girl appear in the doorway. Mm. Marius is still in his little peaky corner. Let's not mm. forget. Mm. And in that moment, he felt what... <laughs> No human word can express. It was she. Anyone who has ever loved knows the full glorious implications contained in those three letters of that word. She. Oh my god. Lishi. <laughs> it makes me think of like, she by Gucci. <laughs> Like, in his head, in the film that we would have made of it, he would have seen her and it would have done the thing, you know, where it, like, rushes, we're zooming into the, his face, but the background's, like, zooming out. Yeah. And then suddenly yeah. we're in his, what, his, I don't know, his dream mind palace. And Which it's basically like... A, mad. Yeah, yeah, literally, it's just a perfume ad. <laughs> She's, like, gallivanting in a field with her hair and it's all blowing in the wind and... She's on a swing, and just going, <laughs> with that coquettish smile. Mm, the stocking that he saw earlier, and it actually really pissed him off that she would dare flash that bit of stocking. And uh, she's like walking away, and she like looks over her shoulder at him. Mm. <laughs> that's literally exactly what is going on, though. Like that's canon because he barely hears or understands what. The rest of the conversation is because he's Why just so. Do birds suddenly... <laughs> which, which makes so much sense because she's a she's a little lark. So... She's a lark, <laughs> and he's an owl. Don't forget the fact that Marius also has a hard on for um, Monsieur Leblanc. <laughs> I don't know why, but I expect that song from you, of all people, like, the least. It's such a song <laughs> from my childhood. <laughs> but it's so apt that it really shot me right in the right place. <laughs> it's just the most I've ever heard you laugh on this podcast, so... <laughs> Like, if you don't know the song, is it just called Why Do Birds Suddenly Appear? Oh, who knows? Uh, like, that's um, in... Close to You, I think it's called. Uh-huh. Play that while reading any Marius scenes, because that is actually the canon song of what's in his head. Um, Carpenter's Close to You. And when you um, type it into DuckDuckGo, it, like, uh, previews the first YouTube video, which is just uh, like um, the two lyrics, which are "ha close to you, la close to you, <laughs> la close to you, la close to you." <laughs> it's so perfect, Nemo, <laughs> because his vision 
has gone into eclipse and now it's making reappearance. Uh, um, this yeah, really does suit our panto, doesn't it? Oh my god, yes! Excellent. Um, I wish we were making notes on our panto. <laughs> so we don't forget it. Um, Marius, he just starts shaking uncontrollably. What? It was she! The racing of his heart blurred his sight. He felt on the verge of dissolving into tears! <laughs> It was as if he'd lost his soul, and he just found it again. She's the same as ever, maybe a little pale. She's in a purple velvet hood, shrouded in a fur-trimmed black satin cloak. Her tiny foot laced in a silk ankle boot, because Hugo always kind of lets us know what's going on with people's feet. Just the women's. Has it just been the women's? I don't know. Oh no, Andre... No, did Angelus? Did we just assign Gabriel? Yes. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember. What's canon anymore? Who knows? At this point. <laughs> um, well, her foot is tiny and that's important to know. Yeah. Um, she was still accompanied by Monsieur Leblanc. And she comes into the room and puts a large parcel on the table. The older Jondrette girl had retreated behind the door and was staring dolefully at that velvet hood, that silk mantle, and that lovely, blessed face. Mm. Lesbian. Mm. I've read that fit. And I think that is where we're leaving it today. I've gotten very bad at judging how many chapters to read. Yeah. Or am I just, like, getting into reading as I go? Yeah, you're more attached to it now, so you actually want to spend time on it. I know, I, mean, I read a whole two extra chapters ahead. <laughs> you did start with uh, Waterloo, so, right? That was when you started yeah, being a primary researcher, so, yeah, you, 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 the rate of interest has increased. <laughs> it could only go up from Waterloo. <laughs> to be a boy looking through a tiny hole at people's difficult living situation and to just like immediately be like anyway my hot chick is here <laughs> yeah that's such like like what we kind of concluded from last last um time which was like hugo having good ideas but then like marius being the worst <laughs> protag for this because he's like well fuck all that like good thoughts that i'm having actually what i do want to be thinking about is fucking this little girl oh i shouldn't have said it like that but that is what Hugo said, so... Yeah, because, like, as we're going to find in next week's chapters, mm. like, other things are happening, but Hugo does have to let us know that he's like, Marius barely had that. <laughs> because, <laughs> like, do not forget, she is in the room. She. She. <laughs> Bye. Pika Marie, Hugo. <laughs> Hugo, sorry. That was Ugo. too much H in there. Oh, I wish that we could afford to play Mighty Birds as the outro. <laughs> if we were a Marvel TV show, yeah. we would. Yeah, yeah. We just have to get that money, make Tenadier our, our Marvel villain with Marvel villainitis, and uh, then we'd be allowed to play the song. We've got to become corporate shills. I'm ready and willing. <laughs> Just for that song. <laughs> <laughs> we become Marius, but our our cousette is that song. 
<laughs> that song is also beautiful, so it checks out. Uh-huh. I don't think I've ever sat down to listen to the whole song before. I I believe I only know it from moments in TV shows where oh. the dumb man like suddenly sees the hot girl wa- walk in and that, that song plays. So When I was a little tiny dancer, we had done a dance <laughs> to that song, so it's got such a place in my heart. <laughs> And on that note, unless you have anything else you would like to say about Tiny Dancers. I don't think any more should be said. Um, this has been Brad and Barricade's Alima's podcast. Uh, produced by me, Nima Martin and Julian Yap. It's a Captain's Collections podcast. If you want to uh, donate to our fund to buy the the rights to play <laughs> that song, um, you should donate to our Ko-fi or our Patreon. Links in the description. If you have any comments, questions or quibbles, you can send us an email, lamospodcast at gmail.com or to our Twitter, lamospodcast or to our Tumblr at Bread and Barricades. If you haven't already, by this point, given us five stars on Spotify, please, please do that. And our audio director is Jade, who you can find on her website, jadewasabi.com, or you can download this theme tune um, on our, on her bandcamp, jadewasabi.bandcamp.com. I believe that's everything. I think so. I tried to Google, can, like, where do I buy the rights to play that song? <laughs> um, and I can't, I don't know where the answer to that is. We will just have to sing really badly and out of tune so we don't get flagged. Guaranteed. Uh, <laughs> that's all. Thanks Thank for listening. Thank you for listening. <laughs> I literally had to put my fists over my mouth to stop me bursting into the rest of the song. Because <laughs> I know the words. <laughs> I mean, already when I was doing that little bit, I tried, I, I, I didn't hit the note that I wanted to go to and was like, well. <laughs> no, it was perfect and beautiful. You can't take that moment from me. <laughs> <laughs>